Thanks for tuning in to Big Money in the 805. I'm Michael Anderson, and today we have Eric Berg from Cayegas Municipal Water District. We're going to be talking about water. It's going to be a great interview for Ventura County, California residents. We hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. This week's episode is brought to you by GEICO Local Office. You can save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of GEICO Local Office, 805-487-7847. It's time for Big Money in the 805 with your host, Michael Anderson, bringing you a feature interview, a local nonprofit spotlight, and some financial wisdom. Get local and relevant information for the 805. For show notes and more information, go to maranatha.com. And now here's your host, Michael Anderson. And today we have Eric Berg in the studio with us. We're going to be talking about water, all things water here in Ventura County, California, and beyond. Some things you should know about it. I'm real excited. Eric is with Cayugas Municipal Water District. He's the manager of resources for the Cayugas Municipal Water District in Thousand Oaks, and it's a primary wholesaler for urban water supply here in Ventura County. There's over 700,000 residents that rely on that water from Cayugas, and uh, Eric joined that group in 1991. He's also responsible for environmental planning activities related to that district in the Capital Improvement Program, also new development and water use efficiency programs, public affairs, legislative as well, and uh, information technology systems. He's a graduate of Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and lifelong resident of the city of Camarillo. Eric, thanks for coming in studio today. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Well, let's start with the idea of all of these water agencies. I mean, there's a number of them in the county. And some people wonder, how did it get to this point? Why is it that we have United, Lake Casitas Municipal Water District, Ventura Water? You know, it's just a lot of other municipal water districts around the county. How do we get to that? Why is it that way? Right. Well, there are probably a couple hundred water agencies, small mutual water companies combined. Most of them, probably 85 90% actually are small mom and pop, small mutual water companies that have uh, essentially are paper companies, paper districts, if you will. But there are probably 30 or so that are large, uh, either wholesale or retail water agencies like the city of Ventura, Oxnard, and the other cities and some of the private retail companies. How this all started was back in the 1940s, essentially, we had a number of influential folks that uh, in the county who were looking to develop groundwater resources, water resources for the county on a countywide basis. And there was a lot of pushback to that. Uh, you had folks that were already underway with developing water in the Santa Clara River back in the 1920s, primarily agriculture, agricultural irrigation. And you had some folks up in the Ventura area and in Ojai, of course, the older cities within uh, the county that uh, had made some progress. So we had one of our founding fathers of Cayugas, Richard Bard of the Bard family, uh, was on the Board of Supervisors in the 40s, and he was obviously very influential and tried to generate a uh, countywide effort. And it fell flat. Matelaha Dam was constructed, and that was a county-run program. They had some issues on the construction schedule, the budget, et cetera, so folks uh, weren't all that interested in going in a countywide or a county-run program at the time. So United Water Conservation District was formed in 1952 to serve the Santa Clara River Valley and the Oxnard Plain. Uh, Within a year, the Casitas Municipal Water District was formed to develop uh, Lake Casitas 
and some of the groundwater resources that they have available as well. And then Cayegas, which is at the extreme southern extent of the county, water, very water poor. Again, most of the precipitation occurs in the Topa Topa and north of Ojai and the Ventura Hills and the uh, Sespe area. So not a lot of native or natural water in our watershed, the Cayegas Creek. So it was decided that we would form our own district, the Cayugas Smith Water District in 1953. Uh, Within months, the city of Oxnard annexed to our service area. So essentially all of Southern Ventura County, urbanized Southern Ventura County, south of the Santa Clara River falls within our service area. And that's today roughly three quarters of the population. In the county. And we're talking with Eric Berg. He is uh, with Cayugas Municipal Water District. We're talking about water, the history of water in Ventura County, how these agencies have formed in kind of the way that they are the way they are. Some people wonder about that now. So he's giving the history of that here. Other people will notice there's a little bit of a divide between the county, between you might say it East County, West County, you may say South County, North County. Give us a little bit of the background of that. Well, I'm a big proponent of North County, South County, and it's not a versus. It's just uh, the reality is we joined Metropolitan Water District in 1960, we, the Cayuga Smith Water District service area. And because of that, we're unable to provide water service outside of our boundaries. So we developed over the last half century in a certain way based upon our imported water supply. Uh, the North County, so again, north of the Santa Clara River, United, Ventura, Ojai, et cetera, they are not part of the Metropolitan Water District or Water Agency family, and so they have uh, their own local resources, Lake Casitas, groundwater. That's where the divide, essentially, the genesis of that divide goes back to 1960 when we, we joined Metropolitan. So there's now an effort, as you're well aware, for the city of Ventura and possibly Casitas to tap into the state water project for the first time In history, they do have a water allocation on that system. However, they have no infrastructure to move that water. So they've been paying millions of dollars for that, a right to that water for um, nearly half a century now, or roughly half a century. And the idea is that they will tap into our system at the extreme western extent near the Camarillo area, and we can wheel water, essentially transfer their water allocation for them on a yearly basis into Ventura and even possibly up into Ohio or the Lake Casitas area, service area as well. That's really the break point. The fact that we have the imported water supplies available, not just state water, but in a pinch, Colorado River water. We actually have taken advantage of some of the LA aqueduct water on occasion when during extreme droughts when the state system has been dry. So we have a pretty diversified water supply portfolio in our service area. Metropolitan service area extends from Cayugas to the north, all the way to the U.S.-Mexico border and San Diego and everything in between, so roughly half the state's population. However, you cross over the Santa Clara River and uh, you're into local water resources only, and when things go dry, as they have in recent years, and you see Lake uh, Casitas plummet down to nearly 30% and groundwater levels that historically for decades now have been dropping dramatically, people start to get nervous. That has led to this potential project to wheel some of their imported water into the service area for, again, the first time in history. You know, I think we're all reading about that in the newspaper and trying to get information about it. It does sound like it's progressing forward as far as the agencies are collaborating together to try and support mutual needs that each of them have and their different needs. Yes. But but to that same end, I think I've heard it mentioned that it's a very good idea to have plumbing that connects the county, whether it's state water or some emergency system where, you know, we need to have water shipped one way or another. 
just having the plumbing in the ground is a big deal in and of itself. Absolutely. Water supply interconnections. Uh, we are working actively with the Las Virgenes Municipal Water District in the Calabasas area on a similar type project, a little bit smaller. But anytime you have a, an inner tie between agencies and you're able to move water from point A to B and back to meet certain needs, uh, you're better off. Uh, as far as the needs are concerned, given the drought conditions here in the northern extent of the uh, county, you have a real-time need for water. Cayugas's need is more emergency water. You know, if we have an earthquake and we lose our, our sole imported water line in the Santa Susana Mountains, which is an eight-foot diameter, mile-long tunnel, if we were to lose that, uh, we could be on our own for about six months. And so we're looking to find other sources of supply to meet those emergency demands. So it's not the day-to-day routine demands that we're trying to meet at this point, such as Ventura and Casitas are. So it's still valuable to us, but uh, the urgency isn't quite as critical. We have uh, actually 90 projects that are under review over the next 18 to 24 months where we'll identify the suite of programs that pencil out for us and provide that emergency supply. This project is part of that. Also, we're, we're going to be evaluating a larger project that would be a, a second pipeline between Cayegas and uh, Lake Casitas, or Casitas Municipal Water District. Very expensive proposition. Rough estimate, $150 million. For $150 million, you can do a lot of projects. So that may pencil out for us and them. We don't know. That would allow us to move even more water back and forth. The problem with the smaller project that's moving forward and hopefully will be in the ground within the next three or four years between the city of Ventura and and Cayegas, the issue there is uh, that water would have to be routed through the city in order to move it up into Lake Casitas and the Ojai area. And the city's infrastructure just isn't built for that. It's a retail system, small pipes, small facilities. So we'd have to build a much larger pipeline between Casitas and Cayegas in order to move larger volumes of water that would you know, really help us out uh, in a dire emergency. You know, I know a lot of people will ask about this when you talk about state water, they'll start to say, well, tell me about the reliability of state water. And I think they all have their own assumptions they've made. I've looked at the statistics since the thing was built, and the reliability does not alarm me. And I'll tell you why. Because it's a system that so many people rely on. Half the state's population relies on this system. They're not going to let it go to the wayside. You know, It is going to be shored up in many ways, and I think we'll talk about that more when we get onto a few questions, but what's your quick answer when people start to question reliability of state water and the allocations? Well, I think you just need to look at uh, the reality today, that divide. We do not have any mandatory cutbacks within our service area, that which includes Oxnard, Port Wayne, Camrio, Moore Park, Thousand Oaks, Simi Valley, and the surrounding incorporated areas. You have 30% here in the Casitas Municipal Water District Service area. I think you're at 20% in the city of Ventura. That's likely to go up this fall as Lake Casitas falls to 30% of capacity. So you may be looking at a 40% cutback within the Lake Casitas or the Casitas MWD service area. We have zero. We encourage water use efficiency. And there's a difference between water use efficiency and conservation. Conservation is essentially the stick Right? When you're in dire circumstances and your supply is short and you need folks to step up in order to preserve what, what's remaining, like they're doing now with Casitas and the local groundwater resources, water use efficiency is long-term, just like you're fuel efficient in your vehicles. From back in the day in the 70s when we started to gravitate towards smaller cars and just to do, do the right thing and become more efficient in your, your footprint, whether that's fuel efficiency or water use efficiency. So we're going to continue to press our 
programs such as turf removal, commercial industrial programs, our uh, high-efficiency toilets, high-efficiency clothes washers, which are very, very active throughout our service area. But I think what really speaks to the reliability of the state project or Empower Water is the fact that we don't have cutbacks now. And that should speak very loudly to folks who maybe see it a little differently because that's, that is the reality today. Let's talk about this now. I know there's the idea of, uh, and I think you're talking about it a little bit with the haves and the have-nots right. in, in terms of this year and next year. Do you want to add yeah, more to that? Sure. I, I, again, just kind of dovetailing on what I just said. Not only do we have the imported water resources, the state, the Colorado River, we've also invested heavily with Metropolitan and the other Metropolitan member agencies over the last quarter century, particularly since the 8792 drought, which was pretty severe. We've developed new surface water storage. We essentially doubled surface water storage in Southern California with the Diamond Valley Reservoir that was completed in the year 2000. We lived off of that during the extreme drought years over the last three or four. In addition, we've developed groundwater storage in the Central Valley. We've developed storage on the Colorado River system, which has been particularly dry, but we've had an ability to store some of our allocation in that system as well. So we've all these buckets in different parts of the state that we're able to draw on. So we're not so reliant upon a 100% allocation, which is very rare, essentially non-existent at this point in the state system. But even when we have reductions in the allocation this year, we're at a 35% allocation on the state system, we're still meeting demand with these other buckets on top of the water use efficiency programs. It's not just about conservation or water use efficiency. You have to have supply management as well. And those are the investments that we've made. And they're not Metropolitan's investments. They're not Cayuguses, they're ratepayer investments. And so a lot of folks you know, are concerned, rightfully concerned about water rates. What has that bought them? The return on investment has been pretty substantial when you look at uh, essentially no mandatory cutbacks throughout the entire Metropolitan service area. And you look at areas surrounding which are in 20, 30% or more. In some cases. Yeah. When we talk about like the rate payer investments and the investments that they make and pooling resources together right. to make these investments, is that kind of what you're describing? Absolutely. Or- Working together as the metropolitan family of agencies, we like to call it. Again, 19 million folks within the metropolitan service area. So roughly half the state's population, an area that generates over half the state's economy, needs a reliable supply. And that's why we have been so insistent on, you referred to the reliability of the state system and the proposed California water fix, the Delta Tunnels, which would allow us to maintain reliability for future generations within our service area and for that matter throughout the state. You mentioned half of the folks or half of the population being reliant on the state system. It's actually over that. It's Mm two-thirds. Over 25 million, close to 27 million California residents are reliant to some degree, to varying degrees, on the state project. You also have 3 million acres of irrigated Agriculture, which is reliant on imported state and also federal water developed through the Central Valley Project. So there's a lot at stake here. I, I agree. I don't think the state is going to let this go. However, there is a lot of pushback through various uh, organizations up and down the state, but primarily up in the Bay Area and to some degree in the Delta area, folks that are adamantly opposed to moving one drop of water out of the Delta. And they have been since the state project was first completed or first elements of the state project back in the mid-1960s. So the fight continues. Uh, we're making progress. We're hopeful that this, by the end of this year, we'll have some key permits in hand that will allow construction to begin in earnest uh, within the next couple of years. 
And then, unfortunately, you're talking talking about the Delta Tunnels. The Delta Tunnels, tunnels, correct. So let's talk about the Delta Tunnels. First of all, just give a quick background as to what they are and then why they're needed, why you feel that they're needed. Sure. The State Water Project, as originally devised, included infrastructure within the Delta. Currently, the State Water Project, uh, the origination point, is the uh, is Lake Oroville up in the Feather River watershed. It's the sister reservoir, if you will, to Lake Shasta, the second largest reservoir in the state, roughly 400 miles to the north of us here. That's the origination point of the State Water Project. From there, water is released down the Feather River, ultimately into the Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta, and then from the San Joaquin Delta, Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta, we pump water into the California Aqueduct throughout Northern California, Central, and Southern California to areas of You see it along the five freeway. You see it along the five yeah. freeway. And that includes Lake Castaic, includes Lake Lake Pyramid and other reservoirs here in the southern part of the state, all part of the state project. Well, also included, as I mentioned, was uh, infrastructure within the Delta, but Governor Brown uh, Sr. was not able to push that project or that element through. There were uh, primarily financing issues and the fact that you have five or six counties that all extended the Delta, and again, none of them are supportive of moving water out of the system. So he backed off and allowed the Delta to serve as the hub of our state water supply, moving that water supply. And we've been paying for that for now the last 50 plus years. We're not at a point where we want to finish the state project. And to finish it, we either need, we need some facilities, whether that's Tunnels, canals, et cetera. Well, it's morphed into tunnels from the peripheral canal days of the early 1980s. So we're now at a point where we're looking at a double barrel tunnel system, roughly 35 miles to 40 foot diameter tunnels to bring water from the north end of the delta where you have higher quality and higher flows overall, higher volume of flows from the Sacramento River and move that water south out of the quagmire, the environmental quagmire that is the Sacramento Delta, move that water under the delta to uh, the receiving uh, location there at the, uh, the head, headworks of the California aqueduct. A lot of issues in the Delta, water quality issues. You have discharges from surrounding ag, urban discharges. You so you have high salinity coming in from the San Francisco Bay during tidal influence, concerns with seawater rise or sea level rise going forward it will increase salinity in that Delta, could foul our pumping locations. That's all bad. Earthquakes. Any of your listeners are certainly aware of uh, the concerns up in the San Francisco Bay Area. If we lose those man-made levees, the thousand miles of man-made levees that make up the Delta, there's a lot of subsidence in that area already. Many of the islands that have been created are 30 feet below sea level. If those levees fail, we have sea level or sea water rush in from the San Francisco Bay fouls our water hub, and we could be down for years from an let imported me, water system. Let me system. see if I get this. So you, so the Delta Tunnels, which are, are likely going to start construction the end of this year at some point. Uh, within the next couple of years. We hope to have the permits in hand. Okay. All right. But so th- having those tunnels in place just shores up the ability to receive more water from the Sierras right. that would be able to, in turn, as part of the state water system. Yes. So that would increase the reliability of the system. It would increase, you know, more of the, the flow of water into that system. And it would help the infrastructure that is kind of going sideways with the Delta that's currently been there for a long time. Yes. And it's not about taking more water out of the Delta. The truth is we're losing reliability. And we have, particularly over the last 10 years, we've dropped from maybe an 80% average allocation down to 50 
45 to 50. Some of that's due to Mother Nature, but a large portion of it's due to regulation. And the other thing, though, is a lot of that water is not that we're losing the water. We're just allowing it to go to the ocean. Right. Right. I mean, there's a reverse flow. And who doesn't support that idea? Who supports it and who doesn't support it? Well, you have uh, many of the uh, NGOs and non-governmental organizations like the Natural Resources Defense Center, the Bay Institute, a lot of environmental groups that are plugged in and active in the Delta concerns and Sierra concerns that uh, would rather increase flows within that system, freshwater flows and outflows to improve conditions for sensitive species, also to push back on salinity from, from the bay. You have farming interests in the Delta, uh, many that are concerned about removing freshwater or more reliable, reliably moving freshwater from the system and what impact would that have on, on their water supply, particularly in the south end of the Delta where the San, San Joaquin enters into the system, which is very low flow. You have a lot of ag return water as well from the San Joaquin. So there are some serious water quality issues. There's no question about that. Again, we've lost 20-30% of our reliability on that system in recent years, and that's just not sustainable. Let's finish with this, and and then I want to give you time if there's anything else you want to add. We just have a another moment or two, but I remember hearing Terry Schaefer talk about there's going to be wetter, wet years and drier, dry years. And it's like a 30 year cycle. And we're kind of in this hot, dry cycle uh, right now. And, uh, but when it does become a, a, a wet, wet, cold cycle, how can we capture those wetter times? What are things that we can do? You know, that's a question I wanted to ask you. And then also just in terms of California and California water, what is the long view? Yeah. What can we do now? Um, can you, is there either yes. one of those questions you want to answer? Very good questions. Uh, the first is, well, the Delta Tunnels is going to help us. Essentially, that is the ultimate stormwater capture uh, mechanism. It's on steroids, and it's going to allow us to move high flows through the system and avoid some of the regulatory concerns that are in play at different times of the year and not have the reverse flows that you referred to where actually the flow within the the surface water of the delta head in reverse when the pumps are fired up. We can avoid some of that and not have the entrainment occur of some of the delta smelt and other species that get caught up in the pumps. Long term, the state has a big job ahead of it of itself. And the truth is, if we're looking at uh, concerns related to rising temperatures, and that's going to ultimately lead to reductions in the snowpack, the latest data is estimating that we could lose up to two-thirds of our snowpack in the next 30 to 40 years. Well, the snowpack constitutes about a third or 40 percent of our average water supply each year. It's our slow time-release water supply that's then used and routed to surface water and groundwater reservoirs. Well, if that, that water comes down in the form of rain, and that's the, the best uh, estimate at this point, is that we're not going to necessarily see reduced precipitation overall. It's just that our snow will be falling in the form of rain. And there's actually some theories that we could be looking at 10 to 15% increases in precipitation in the Sierra. So even more water that's going to be raging down those tributaries into the delta. And if we don't have a way to capture and move that water into storage, then we're going to be hurting. You may have heard me in the past talk about the Yolo Bypass, which is a large stormwater facility that essentially allows the capital, the Sacramento, city of Sacramento, to shunt water out of the Sacramento River system into low-lying ag land and move it out to the delta. Well, if our snowpack ends up in the Yolo Basin Bypass, which it will if the uh, forecasts are correct, 
that water's gone. Once it ends up into these floodplains, most of it cannot be captured through our existing facilities. And so we, the state on a whole has to do a better job of looking forward to how are we going to deal with snowpack reduction, these flashier, heavy flows that are going to be coming down from the Sierra. How are we going to be able to move that water? Conveyance is key, the delta tunnels, and also where are we going to store it? We're talking with Eric Berg from Cayegas Municipal Water District about water here in California, uh, the Delta Tunnels, also uh, collaboration among agencies and the history of these agencies here in Ventura County. It's been great to have you on, Eric. Where can people go to get more information about water and uh, the projects you're working on? What website? Well, our district website, Cayegas.com, and another good water use efficiency website is BeWaterWise.com, and there's a lot of good information related to drought uh, and also projects and programs that uh, folks can participate in to reduce their water footprint. You can also check out Metropolitan Water District's website for some of the larger scale projects in California Water Fix. You can just Google on that, and that'll bring you to the Tunnels website, and you can learn all about that project. And that's Eric Berg from Cayegas Municipal Water District. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Thank you. And there is an, a water event coming up in the Ojai Valley. It's the future of water in the Ojai Valley. What's changing and what might still need to change. It's a free panel Sunday, September 30th, and it's from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Matillaha Auditorium. You can go online to get more information about that. They're calling it the Lake Casitas Ojai Chautauqua. You can check that out September 30th. A great group of panelists will be speaking at that event. Once again, thank you, Eric. Thank you. Thank you.